0: Men now I, I, I believe that on mother 's Day, one of the things I like to do is I like to talk to the, I like to talk to the women. I like to talk to all women every, every age and i 'm talking to all men again today, yeah, let me talk a little bit about fathers, but I really, really want to talk to all men and and men. You may want to take this message and listen to it again on Spotify or like on the uh, on, on the Apple podcasts or the City Life app, but you, you may want to find this again and listen to this a couple of times because I have some challenges in here for you now now ladies, please understand uh, on today for today 's message if you are an unmarried woman i 'm going to be talking about some qualities of men, and if you are an unmarried woman, listen carefully, take good notes, write some things down uh, because there are some some qualities in men that you should be looking for and if you're i'll just tell you right now if you're dating a guy who doesn't have the qualities that i'm talking about today run you hear me run you say are you trying to get us to split up you better believe I am. All right, I I believe it. I am a pastor, and I actually do care about your future. And I am I am just tired of seeing so many marriages disintegrate. And uh, and ladies, it's important that you hear these principles, understand what they are. And and married married ladies, I encourage you be an encourager to your husband. Be someone who's going to encourage him and and, and honor him and 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 if, and if if he doesn't, he's not going to do everything right. But you. Pre- Pray for him, and whatever you do, don't try to be his Holy Spirit. I'll tell you guys, ladies, that will backfire. God did not give you the ability to be the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit, and he, do, he will do a much better job in dealing with your husband than you ever, ever could. But men, you were created by God in the very image of God. That means that God is the expert on men. In fact, God is, he's the designer of masculinity, and his word, the scriptures are a guidebook for masculinity and for manhood, and there are certain things according to the Bible that make men tick. Uh, And and a lot of these things that I'm going to be sharing with you today, they are being overlooked by our culture and our society today, but if you embrace the principles that I'm going to share with you, uh, you're going to feel more confident, you're going to find your Stronger in relationships and healthier mentally and emotionally, and you're gonna be able to have better purpose. But growing up, my family would occasionally go to this little town along the coast in Oregon, but it's called Cottage Grove. We would go there to visit my grandfather. And my grandfather uh, he he had this clock. That was on the wall. I still remember exactly where it was. And this clock on the wall was a cuckoo clock, and I was mesmerized by the cuckoo clock. What, what Dad would—excuse me—what my grandfather would do in the mornings, he would take this these chains. And I thought it was so elegant the way those chains looked. But Grandpa would take those chains and he would pull them each morning so that the cuckoo clock would be able to keep ticking all day long. That's a picture of my grandfather. His name was Hosea Woody. He uh, he passed away in 1982, uh, and, uh, but I, he, he's still a hero in my life. But Grandpa, he he would pull on those chains, and he would get it to wind up so that all day long, and the chains would slowly move throughout the day, and and he would initiate what it took to get the clock ticking. And every hour on the hour, this bird would pop out on the top with a cuckoo, cuckoo sound. I, I, I would sit and wait for it. In fact, my parents had trouble pulling me out of the house to go do stuff because I wanted to wait for the next hour to see the cuckoo clock go again. I, I always wanted one, but my parents said no. I think they knew that I would, uh, you, you know, it would be too much of an annoyance in the house. I don't know. So it made fun. it made it a lot of fun going back to Grandpa's house. But a lot of older, I mean really, all older watches and clocks, they would all tick. They had a sound to them. They would tick, 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 tick tick Every second, if you put it up to your ear, or if you put a clock up to your ear, you could hear the ticking second by second by second in perfect precision and and that that ticking what it did is it let you know it let you know that the the clock was active and that it was doing what it was created to do i 'll say it again. When it went tick, 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 that means the clock is active, and it's doing what it was created to do, and guys, it's the same with us. If you want to function the way that you were created to function, you really kind of need to be wound up each day, and and, and doing this will keep you ticking, it will keep you active, and keep you functioning in your purpose. So the title of my message today is very simply this, What Makes a Man Tick? What makes a man tick? And uh, I had a, had a veterinarian friend of mine see the title of my message today. He lives, on, he lives in Iowa, and he sent me pictures of ticks. So he said, I hope you can use this in your sermon today. I was like, dude, that's, that's not what it's about. But, uh, but, you know, he's always making fun of me, always, always. You know, you need people in your life who are going to do that. They just, they're just going to make fun of you. But, uh, but after, I created, after I did my initial study, I, I usually do a big study dump and put all these notes in there, and, and they usually... Keep for several weeks, sometimes even months, and, and I had about 20 points that I was going to share in today's sermon, and I looked at how long it was, I thought, man, that's about two, two and a half hours, and I thought, you know, it's Father's Day, the guys won't mind, so I did trim it back. I trimmed it back quite a bit, but there are a few points that I want to uh, I speak about that I believe most heavily influence a man's ability to tick and keep on ticking, and the first one is this. Jot these down. Wisdom. Wisdom makes a man tick. See wisdom, what it is? It is your grasp on what's happening in the nation, what's happening in the world, what's happening in the culture around you, and then you have the uh, ability to act accordingly based upon what's going on around you. And so, and wisdom actually starts with the fear of God and the knowledge of God, and it's coupled with this understanding of what's happening in the world. So, a wise man does not put his head in the sand regarding the culture that's around around him. He's always open to, to grow. He's open to get more input from other people. In fact, King Solomon said this well. He said this. He said, one whose ear listens to a life-giving rebuke will stay among the wise. One who neglects discipline rejects himself. That is That is a That's a crazy line right there. Let let me say it again. One who neglects discipline rejects himself. But one who listens to a rebuke acquires understanding. So did you know that self-rejection, which is an issue that a lot of men are actually struggling with, that actually is rooted into neglecting discipline Discipline in your life and what I 'm talking about today is a lot about discipline I mean Proverbs is a wonderful wonderful book in the Bible and and i, I, I encourage every single man to read it it's packed with wisdom Proverbs is a book of, of just individual little quotes uh, almost like tweets you know just these little 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 tweets perfect for men because the, most men don't like to read a lot a lot a lot but you can read one one of those little proverbs and get it into your heart and think about it all day. Uh, Proverbs is a is a book that was written by men, for men. Did you know that? It was written by men, for men, except you know Proverbs 31, it, it was written by a man, but he's actually quoting his mother through most of uh, through most of Proverbs chapter 31, but it's written to men on, hey, you want to find a good wife, here's what to look for. Here, here are the things to look for. So a lot of good stuff that's in there, men, and I encourage you to always be reading it. I, I believe that Proverbs is is really the wisdom handbook for men. And and men, we should always be continually in it. But I ask you to look in your Bibles in Proverbs chapter three, verse one. So go ahead and pull that up right now. Solomon. He is speaking to his son here, and, and he is giving him wisdom. He's imparting wisdom to this son of his. And, uh, and this is all directly applicable to our lives, man, and there's a lot of good stuff here. I'm going to read through it. In fact, if I were to, to break this down and try to preach on every bit of this, this would be a sermon series for about five weeks. But let's just go through this quickly here. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1, my son, do not forget my teaching. This is a father talking to a son but have your heart comply with my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and a good reputation in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart Do not lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, that means in everything that you're doing, acknowledge him, and he'll make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn from evil. It will be healing to your body. It'll be refreshing, refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his rebuke. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, just as a father disciplines his son in whom he delights. Isn't that great? Some good stuff that's there from a father to a son and men, these are principles. Women, you can These principles are for you too, but but I men, these are specifically written for men. So when I was preparing my message. I, I like to use my father's Bible, which I acquired recently, and, 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 uh, and I opened up my father's Bible. It sits on my desk, and I looked at this passage, and, and I always like to look things up in my dad's Bible because I'll find extra little ideas or quotes or things that are underlined and things that I, that I may not have noticed on my own because dad always wrote a lot of stuff in the margins in his Bible, and I saw this notation at the beginning of Proverbs, and he wrote it at the very beginning of the book of Proverbs. He wrote in it. That he read the book, this book of Proverbs, while he was spending a week with me uh, when we were actually in Springfield, Illinois, looking at some at some uh, really cool museums and Abe Lincoln stuff. It's a it's a really interesting town to visit, and and while we were there going to all those museums, my I didn't know it at the time, but Dad was actually reading. He read through the whole book of Proverbs, but. And then I I saw back, I was like, well, I remember a lot of the conversations, and this was actually the last time I was able to spend an extended amount of time with my father, and... And, and I remember a lot of the conversations. Dad was constantly talking about wisdom principles the whole time. And he was imparting those to me. And now I see it. Dad was getting the wisdom principles from Solomon. And he was sitting with his adult son. And he's, again, passing along those wisdom principles for me. We talked a lot about the fear of the Lord and how that's a foundation for so much wisdom. And, and it's beautiful because that was all right at the edge of his mind because he was reading the Word of God. And guys that's that's a, that's the place to start. It really is. And which leads me to this next point. Wisdom makes a man tick, but also the fear of the Lord makes a man tick. In fact, there are 14 different times you're going to hear or read about the fear of the Lord being mentioned in the book of Proverbs. And the fear of the Lord is actually the beginning, it is the launching place, that's where wisdom actually begins. And, and a person who fears the Lord, they're going to receive instruction, they're going to receive rebuke, and they will simply want to be more like their father, Father God. Uh, I, I remember Dad saying this, he said that a man who doesn't fear the Lord, will ignore and will mock and, and, and even just, just avoid any kind of encouragement to talk about his errors or even desire to change his ways. See, a man without the fear of the Lord has this, this vanity about himself, whether he realizes or not, and it makes him fragile. He doesn't have the patience or the desire to diligently search out what is right and what is true he only wants to indulge in his vices or indulge in the things that that may uh, that may just vindicate himself or give him the, the ability to check out a man who fears the Lord hates and despise despises evil a man who fears the Lord does not want to have want pride or arrogance or perverted speech to have any part of his life a man who doesn't fear the Lord uh, actually by himself he is evil by default because what he ends up being is, is boastful and disrespectful and eager to judge just about anybody that comes along. A man that fears the Lord trusts God. A man who fears the Lord trusts God in the good times and in the bad times, when you're thriving or when you're in crisis. A man who does not fear the Lord is actually fearful of other people uh, because, because when somebody might do something and they, they might feel like, well, they're going get, to get something up on them, and, and, and it's, it's a self-defeating attitude that, that's really rooted in a lack of the fear of the Lord. In fact, a person who does not fear the Lord actually fears the future because God is the author of the future. And in difficult times, a man who doesn't fear the Lord is going to fear the future and it will be literally crippling. But a man who does fear the Lord loves his family deeply and will never abandon them. And we desperately need to have the fear of God in the hearts of men today. And man, I want to make this very clear. I want you to have enough of the fear of God in your life to never, abandon your family. Amen. That should have had a rousing amen, and I'm going to give you guys another chance. Put it up on the screens. Man, have enough of the fear of God in you to never abandon your family. Amen. Yeah, thank you. Oh, that, was a, that was a rousing amen. I like that. You see, I believe that the fear of the Lord is uh, the, you know, a lack of the fear of God, I guess you could say, is the number one reason why men abandon their wives and their children. They don't have fear of God. And so what they've done, they're basically emasculating themselves in some kind of a futile pursuit of pleasure and just and, and, and really no accountability, just living his own life. And what's happened in our culture is this has perpetuated the crisis of fatherlessness in our city and in our nation. Here's some recent studies, some numbers. Listen to this. Children from fatherless homes account for 61% of youth suicides. Children from fatherless homes account for 71% of pregnant teenagers. Children from fatherless homes account for 90% of homeless and runaway children. Children without fathers in the home account for 70% of the juveniles in our state-operated institutions, 85% of all youths who, who exhibit behavior disorders, 80% of the rapists who are motivated by displaced anger, 71% of all high school dropouts, 73% of all adolescents in chemical abuse centers, and 85% of all youths who are sitting in prison. Wow. Fatherlessness. Fatherlessness. Last week, I was blessed to be able to to be in a meeting with our mayor, uh, some individuals from our police department, and a local anti-violence youth youth anti-violence group. And this organization has, in our city, they've acquired over four million dollars in grants to curb youth violence in fort worth and they are accountable back to uh they're accountable back to the city back to the mayor's office so we came together to talk about this they've been pulling stuff together actually i didn't realize if they've been pulling stuff together for over a year and uh this is a small invitation only group about 30 of us were present but and I was able to hear their presentation. They offered a great presentation, but then they said at the end of it, we want to hear your observations, we want to hear your suggestions for the progress of this initiative in the city. And so after the after the presentation, Mayor Parker, she was very kind she says, I'd love to get feedback, I'd love to hear questions. And and I if you don't know me, I mean just please understand, just just know me. I, I have no problem being the first one to speak. So, and, and I also know this, I, I know this, that in settings like that, the initial comments that are made by other people in the, in the room will often set the trajectory of the conversation for the next hour or so. And knowing all that, the mayor says, okay, I did not wait two or three seconds to see if anybody was lifting their hand. I lifted my hand, the only one I was called upon. Now, 30 minutes later into the meeting, when the mayor said, next question, like 50, you know, not 50 because there weren't 50 people in there, but like 15 hands would go up, you know. But, but I, I nailed it with that first one, and I was really, really, really happy about that. But I, I just decided to dive in. And here's what I said I said, I was blessed to be a part of the uh, task force for race and culture a few years ago here in Fort Worth, and thank you, you know, mayor for, and city council for giving me the opportunity to do that. But there was one presentation that was made and I've shared it with you guys before is that the sheriff of Tarrant County came and he made a, made a presentation and I'm, I'm telling this to the group and I said, said, he said that 85%, 85% of the people who are in the Tarrant County Jail right now, he says 85% of them come from fatherless homes. Wow. 85%. And so what I did is I said, this is some great information. You guys have some great, great plans, but well, what can we do? What can this organization do to deal with the fatherlessness issues here in, in the city? And I also threw this out there because they have to be accountable and show their progress and how their, how their money is actually paying out. I said, you won't necessarily be able to prove this in two or three years that this money actually created this because this is a long-term solution. But if, but if we begin diligently working on the fatherless issues right here in our own city, can you imagine what would happen? I said, how many of you know that when you're working with, 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 with uh, youth and with children who are causing a lot of problems, you know that the vast majority are fatherless. And everybody just starts looking around, and a few people start nodding their heads, and at that point I'm realizing they had not even thought about this issue as being really the root of so much of it. And uh, and I, I issued the challenge. Even the director of the whole program said, you know what, come to think of it, of course. My bad life as a kid, as a teenager, is rooted in fatherlessness. And others started saying the same thing. They said, well, we've got some good programs that can help, uh, help you know, with counseling and things like that. Well, counseling's great, but I love it because a little bit later, because the conversation did go in that direction. People said, yeah, you know what, that's all great, but that can never replace a father. What can we do about that? And I love it. And I just sat back and enjoyed the rest of that meeting. You see, fatherless, the fatherlessness crisis in our city can only turn around when men adopt the fear of the Lord. Now, that wasn't my, that wasn't the big point that I brought up in there. I just wanted to get them talking about it so maybe we can do something about it here. But it really comes back to the fear of the Lord because the fear of the Lord makes men tick. All right, here's another one. Kingdom, excuse me, not kingdom, kingship, kingship via self-leadership makes a man tick. All right, let me explain this. God has designed you, men, for dominion. It's right there in the first chapter of Genesis. You're a king, and you should act like it. You got that? Do you got that? Do you know what your, your kingdom is? It's called yourself. You start with yourself. That's the kingdom you're primarily responsible for. Rule yourself Well, you are responsible for your actions and your decisions, and that demands character, that demands self-discipline, and if you don't take care of the kingdom, if you don't have dominion over the kingdom of self, you're going to actually lose control of yourself, and it's going to hurt not only you, but a lot of other people. You see, a foolish man wants to conquer the world, but a wise man wants to conquer himself. And you conquer yourself when you do... (laughs) what you should do even when you don't feel like doing it so people who lead themselves well they know that really in the back of their mind man you know if you're leading yourself well that you really can't trust yourself all the time that's why those who lead themselves well, they lead the kingdom of themselves. they are men that, that have this, uh, they, they become experts, I guess you could say, at self-awareness, which is critical. It's, there's this tendency in men to not be self-aware, and, and but when you do that, what you're doing is you're adopting this independent lifestyle, which then becomes utterly destructive. So men, you need accountability, and that accountability is not your girlfriend. That accountability is not your wife, please. She is not the best person to, to have you know, as, your, as your accountability friend. Yeah, sure, I mean, she's going to call you out. She, she definitely will, but you need, also need other men in your life who will hold you accountable for your own self-leadership. See, when you see a good man, consider emulating him. When you see a bad man, then search your own soul and keep inspecting the kingdom of yourself and and because when you don't respect yourself enough to inspect yourself, other people can tell and they won't respect you. When I was 15 years of age, uh, my father pulled me out of school and he insisted that I go with him to to an event where this speaker was going to be speaking at a at a gathering called full gospel businessmen and and uh, and so I went with my dad and I was I was out of school but my dad said no, you've got to hear him he is he is an amazing speaker and, and this guy can really alter the you know the, the focus of your life so I'm happy you know to be with my dad to be out of school we, we took the long drive to go to this breakfast meeting had to get up extra early to go and my dad said we're gonna arrive just a little bit early so we can sit up near the front Front and we can enjoy this. And then the speaker came out, and his name was Zig Ziglar. And I thought, this guy is this guy. This name is, is the craziest name ever. Who names a kid Zig? But but Zig Ziglar, he was he was this. He captivated me immediately. I still remember his smile. I remember his posture. I remember the atmosphere in the room when he walked up there and began to impart wisdom to us. And and and. I loved it. In fact, I loved it because near the beginning of his talk, Zig pointed me out with my dad and said, "You know, this is what I'm talking about right here." He says, "This man brought his son, and of course, you have to understand, I was also felt very awkward being the only person in there, definitely, who was under the age of 30. and, uh, and uh, like, there, there aren't other guys my age here. you know what teenage boy wants to be thrown into a situation like that. But when Zig Ziglar pointed us out, man, my eyes opened up and he said, "This is what I'm talking about right here. This is this." is where you need to, to move in your life and, and invest in those who are younger than you. And, and I, was, I was proud of my dad at that point for, for making me calm. And, and I, I, I actually traced my leadership growth journey back to that day when I was 15 years old sitting in, that, in that, uh, that banquet hall in a hotel in McAllen, Texas, and I will never forget that moment. I only wish my father was around to thank him For that door that he opened up for me. But guys, you can open that up for others as well. Here's another thing that makes men tick. Work. Yeah, work makes men tick. In the US, do you realize that there are approximately 7 million men between the ages of, of 25 and 54 who do not work and they are not looking for work. They are able to work but simply don't want to. Now, let me be clear. That is a cultural issue, and uh, we we definitely. This should definitely not be the case for grown-up men. Men need to work. A wise father will insist. Men, a wise father will insist that his son learns to work at an early age. Men need to work. Moms, you say, but it's gonna be hard on them. See, that's, that's the mom's voice. Oh, you know, that's because you're a mama. Now, we're gonna get the boy out there and we're going to work because it is innately healthy for men to work. The chore man provides, therefore, for his wife and his children because he has a work ethic. And, and I, I just want to encourage you. We need men, more men, to act like grown-ups in our culture who will work and provide. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 8 has one of the most... It's just almost an unbelievable uh, directive to us or, or truth, and, and it says that if you don't provide for your family, guys then you are worse than an unbeliever. In fact, it even goes on to say, this is interesting, it says that you have denied your faith because you have made the choice to be selfish and lazy and not provide for your family. Wow. So at the core of Christianity, we see that work is there. Work, we must work, we must provide. You know, laziness ultimately kind of goes back to that word discipline that I shared earlier it 's a lack of discipline <laughs> back in the eighties there was this cool uh group they they were actually very cool in the eighties. They are not cool at all now, but the group is called lover boy and and they they coined this they coined the phrase, everybody's working for the weekend you know everybody 's working for the weekend right You guys know that song yeah. You're wanting to sing along. Well, you're wanting the band to come up here, and say, but we're not going to sing that today. They actually coined the phrase. I didn't realize that that was a phrase that they, they actually coined. Now we didn't say it today, but that's actually a futile pursuit. It's all about selfishness. There's one, one study also about retirement that says in re- retirement, women, after a woman retires, it does not increase uh, rates of depression, but for men, our rates of depression significantly increase after retirement. So, man, your mental health is directly connected to your work. In Genesis chapter 2, verse, 10, verse 15, it tells us that the first thing that God did after he created Adam was to give him a job. He created man, I'm going to give you an occupation. He put him in the Garden of Eden, and he said, you're going to cultivate, and you're going to tend this. That was the first command that was given to man. Put him right there. So work is actually fundamental to our faith. And I'll also tell you this, the healthiest men I've ever known, and I'm talking about healthiest relationally, healthiest spiritually, healthiest emotionally, are men who not only work, but they also work within the church in one way or another. So work makes a man tick. And here's another one, companionship makes a man tick you know, we're in a world of social media and, and uh, these endless apps and video games that have promised you you're going to be able to connect better with other people through these things and that technology. And, and I, I'm not afraid of the technology. I'm not downing the technology. But the truth is, in the midst of all that, men today are lonelier than ever in American culture. In fact, new studies say that approximately one-third of, of all men in the United States regularly feel lonely on a regular basis. In other words, men are isolated now more than ever, and one of the places we see it the most is in the heart of the city and these apartments around here and, this, and these places around here where, where a man can live and have a, have a great lifestyle but also be very, very, very lonely Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 says this. It says, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. <laughs> it is not good. It isn't good for men to be alone, period. This was a discovery God made. This was, an, uh, th- this was God's first aha moment in the Bible. And I love how God's vulnerable here and allows this to be written in the Scriptures. He's created man. Man's working. He's got his job. And all of a sudden, he's looking and goes... It's not good for him to be alone. I don't know what was going on, but it wasn't a good thing. Adam wasn't sinning. It just wasn't good. It wasn't healthy for him. Um, so our creator decided, well, I'm going to have to figure out a way to help him. He needs help. Men, I'll just tell you, men, you need help. We all need help. And so after stating the problem, God gave the solution, and, uh, and he said, I'm going to make a helper suitable for him. And so that's when God created a woman. And woman changed man's life. They didn't even have names back there. They were just woman and, and man. So woman changed man's life forever. <laughs> and it's still happening today. But that's the beginning of companionship. And it's a good thing. Uh, but, but also men need something that's secondary to that. Men also need fraternity. You need to be around godly men and spend time with them. Now, a great way to do that. A great way to do that is to be involved in your local church. Uh, join a connect group. Serve on Sundays. Attend special events. In fact, tell Ian, "Hey, I'd like guys." I mean, tell Ian, "Hey, I'd love to help out with the with the uh, parents' night out and come set up some tents and whatever, and come come be a part of that." That is an incredible way just to get in and to not only serve but to get around some other man. But Men who lack wisdom and the fear of God will fight and fight and fight this particular point right here because innately we don't like the idea that we need help. We see ourselves as I'm good just the way I am. I want to be left alone, and we don't need help, right? Isn't that right? I mean, aren't we the guys who will not ask directions? Who will not? I I, I found myself doing it again. It was it was I was at uh, Lowe's the other day, the department store, and uh, not department store, the uh, the the home improvement store. And I was there looking for some little bolts and nuts and washers and stuff that I needed. And, and I, I looked, and there's this whole aisle, and everything's all mixed up, and it's a mess. And I spent probably 45 minutes trying to find exactly what I wanted. And I kept thinking, I'll, I know there's somebody I can ask, but uh, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going to. And finally, an employee comes by. Do you need some help, sir? Well, yeah. I turned around and said, "Yes, I do," <laughs> and and I was glad to finally admit it. But it, but I would not. I don't even really think I would have admitted it right up front. But we need help. We need help. And uh, you know, we because we see ourselves as well. I'm good, and and I'm my own helper. We don't like advice, we don't like warnings, and we don't want spe- second opinions, really. Come on, let's just be honest, that's, that's true. But regardless, companionship will make a man tick, and that involves marriage, and it also involves fraternity. Here's another one, get this one. Fatherhood makes man tick. Now this, not every man will be a father, but I, I do want to talk about that today. Because without fathers, sons, remain boys, and they will lack the skills that are necessary to be able to harness and to direct their masculine natures. Also for girls, a girl's father is the first man in her life and should be must be the most influential. See, a man has an innate built-in desire to pass along wisdom, to pass along his values and, and pass along his life lessons and to tell stories. And all of this is to to give it out to his posterity. One of the greatest things, though, that a father can do for his children, though, is to love their mother, to verbalize it and to show it and to demonstrate it. Because your children, men, they will learn how to love by watching and emulating you fatherhood it's a high honor and it continues through a man's life uh I've heard it said, this line says, being a great father is like shaving. No matter how good you shave today, you're still going to have to do it again tomorrow. <laughs> and and that, that's the truth because unless you just decide to grow a beard and just let it keep going forever, but it does take daily effort. You you have to take that daily effort to invest into being a father. And and that also means that, that fathers, sometimes you, not, not sometimes, but you really need to lay aside some adolescent, mindless pursuits that are doing nothing but just draining your time. And instead invest in your children, invest in your family. I gave up a lot of things once the family started, and, and, uh, and, and it's okay. It was a worthwhile exchange. And during those years when I had sons in my home, there these young boys growing up, I taught my sons many lessons. Uh, I decided that I wanted to teach them things that the education system was not going to teach them. I, t- I taught them how to walk with confidence, how to look people in the eye how to stand up straight when you walk through a door how to give a good firm handshake and and to speak clearly to adults with volume so they can hear you just put it out there i i I trained them to honor weaker people all the time all the time and to use their strength appropriately to help others I taught them to love and to honor their mother and to take her out on dates. (laughs) Billy Graham said this. He says, a good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, and yet one of the most valuable assets in our society. And I totally agree with that. In fact, here's what I want to do before I go on any further. I want to pause for just a moment, and I want to recognize fathers in this room because if you're a father, I want to pause here. I want to honor you, and I want to pray for you. Would you? In fact, will you, if you're a father, just all across this room, will you just stand where you are real quick? Just stand up. Just stand. If you're a father, I want you to stand. Now, you see the guys that are standing right there? First of all, none of them want to be standing right now. They don't want to because they don't want to draw attention to themselves that's humility. But that's also the way we are. We don't necessarily want that attention drawn to ourselves. But it's too bad, I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> in fact, if your spouse or your father is next to you, you just reach over and touch them right now and the rest of the church, just even extend your hand toward other fathers in the room. I want us to pray for fathers right now. God, I pray for supernatural blessing over every father in this room. God, in today's culture that is that is so extremely challenging for fathers and for men i pray for blessing to be upon these guys i pray for the for the hunger of god to be alive in their hearts and in their lives and that they'll they'll grow in you daily and that they will they will raise a household that will be blessed with children grandchildren great-grandchildren, that this will perpetuate through the generations as they continue being a father all the way up till they draw their last breath. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, you can have a seat. Men, I, I do want you to tick better. <laughs> but but at the same time, there are some things that men need to stop doing. And when I, when I preach these sermons, I'm never targeting anybody at all. I don't, I don't do that if I want to talk to you about something to talk to you to your face that's just the way I am I don't ever use the pulpit to attack a person or to try to nail a person so if this stuff speaks to you It speaks to you. So I'm going to play a little bit of hardball real quick. And I decided to soften the hardball. If I had these guys playing some nice music behind me, it would feel a little bit better. All right? All right, here we go. Here's some things to stop doing. Number one, stop seeking adulation and praise. Seeking out praise, man, what that does is that demonstrates weakness. So if you're making stuff up or taking credit for things that you didn't do, you are not commanding your own world. You can give praise to other people. Please do that and give praise to God and if you accomplish something well you know, give the honor and the glory to God and there's nothing wrong with being praised but because we as men we naturally respond to being honored and respected that's a natural thing for men but seeking out praise actually becomes idolatry so be known for the quality of your accomplishments and then give praise to God number two second thing to stop stop complaining just, just men are natural problem solvers so Don't whine about your situation. Instead, find solutions, find resources, and relationships, and bathe all that stuff in prayer. Because complaining, it achieves nothing but to share your miserable misery with somebody else. It actually complaining actually displays weakness of resolve. It it reflects this victim mentality, where which which in many ways it's very very unbecoming of a man to be a victim because. Why we're, at, we're created for dominion? So complaining, what it also does is that that displays a lack of faith. In many ways, it's kind of like slapping God in the face because you're in the face because you're, you're like you're implicitly placing yourself above God, essentially saying that God should have done a better job in this situation. Here's the next one: Stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. When you fail, own it. Whether you caused the failure or not, just own it completely. Because God's men are not excuse makers. Owning your favor, uh, your your failures, it is a demonstration of strength. And so often, coming, I mean, you know this. So often, things don't go the way that you expected it, but you're still in control of yourself with the help of the Holy Spirit. Think about this. Did God make excuses? No. And we are his image bearers, so why do we? Here's another one to stop: stop breaking promises. If you say it, do it. Don't promise things that you can't do or you won't realistically do. Because when you when you break promises, you become untrustworthy, and and it, and it actually makes you weak. So have have command over your world. Have command over your world, and, and in doing so. Be careful about making promises. And then when you do, follow through with that promise that you made, even if it's painful. And always remember this. Dad taught me this one. Always over— prom- I mean, always under promise and over what? Deliver. You guys even know that. Always under promise, over deliver. And Here, here's another one. Here's another one. This is the last one to stop. Stop being needy. Y- you know, just a needy man. Especially to your wife. I mean, neediness is the opposite of maturity in a relationship. The more actually, this is this is fact. But in a relationship, the more needy a man is of his woman, of his wife, or even girlfriend, the less attractive he will be to her. Did you know that men, women will never fulfill all of your needs because she, she wasn't created for that neediness what it does is it is it signals an opposite of dominion it's an opposite of responsibility it's the opposite of authority it's the opposite of ability Uh, neediness basically signals that you need a mama and not a wife all right in fact do you realize this that neediness causes a man's testosterone to drop and his estrogen to rise you don't even want to get started on what that does to a man so in, in, instead of being needy, chase excellence. Pursue excellence in your speech and in your attire, and in, your, in your education, in your work and in your body, and your spirit and in your emotions. So how do we keep on ticking? Well, we do the things that I shared with you. But I want to share with you one last one, which is overarching, the most important. The Holy Spirit makes a man keep on ticking. You need You need the Holy Spirit. And I I, I want you to, to adopt this, even as a prayer. God, I need more of your Spirit in my life. I want more. I want more. I need more of your Spirit in my life. Because the more of God's Spirit that's in you, the more counsel you can, because Holy Spirit is a counselor. He's going to convict you of sin. He's going to motivate you to work. He's going to give you wisdom. He's going to give you revelation. The Holy Spirit is actually going to give you supernatural power. He's going to guide you. He's going to help you in your weaknesses. And He's going to help you to bear good fruit in your life. We need the Holy Spirit. Men, receive Indulge, embrace and go deep with the Holy Spirit in your life I wrap up today by reading Isaiah chapter 1 verse 16 it's on the screens here man this is good this is good for everyone but this is really good for us wash yourselves make yourselves clean remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. this is God talking stop doing evil learn to do good seek justice rebuke the oppressor men this is good obtain justice for the orphan that means the child who doesn't have a father the fatherless and plead the widow's case good things to live by good things to live by and i want that for every one of you at this point i i I am going to ask uh not just fathers but all men in the room to stand come on if you're a man just stand up stand up men. i want you to stand because i want to pray for all of you i gave you some big challenges today and uh you, I hopefully you've received them hopefully you will begin processing them sometimes to process this stuff you've got to listen to it a few more times and that's why I did encourage you to, to hear this over and over but I want to pray for you I want to pray for every man in this room and if I had the time I'd go around and lay hands on each of you personally and pray for you but I want to pray for you just one big prayer right now so ladies in the room I want you to pray with me for the men and agree with me for the men in this room. Let's pray, let's pray. Also, we're praying for men online. God, I pray for every man in this room who's standing, they're all, they've all been given this place on earth to bear the image of God and to have dominion. Yet we live in a culture that continually erodes and beats men down. We live in a culture where masculinity is pushed back and and is even called toxic. We live in a world where men are finding it more and more difficult to even live by the truths that I share today but I do believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I say, Holy Spirit, will you just fall on every single man in this room, whether they are single, whether they're married, whether they're young, or whether they're a great-great-grandfather. Every man who's watching online and participating, I pray for the blessing of God to be upon them. Blessing of God in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Give them the fortitude, the strength, and the desire to be godly men in this culture. Men who have a desire to stand before you day, stand before you one day, God, and hear you say, Well done. You've been a good and faithful servant. Now enter into eternal joy and eternal pleasure. God, let it be. Let it be for each and every one of these men. Let us walk out of this place today. With our heads held high, not in pride, but knowing who we were designed to be, and with a game plan to execute it, and to keep on ticking, day in and day out, day by day by day, alive and full of the Spirit of God, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Podcast. If you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information, go to citylifefw.org.